You're listening to Work Tape, episode 63. Welcome to the Work Tape podcast. In the studio, it is Kevin and Isaac. How's it going, guys? How is it going, Kevin? I'm doing pretty well. I'm pretty all right as well. The week has been good to me. And yeah, it's because I guess we're going to talk about disco again. (laughs) Here we go. Yeah. (laughs) So we were talking about how disco was ruined and went a little bit into how, you know, modern music followed that in some ways. But again, it's all subjective. It kind of mimicked it in some ways. It mimicked it in some ways. Yeah. And what I was trying to get at was that with disco, we kind of touch a little bit on its history, not going super deeply, but kind of naming some of the sounds of that era. Disco was a very hits-focused genre. And the parallel that I was drawing with country with it is that country is, it turned into... Like a safe option. It did turn into a safe option. Mm -hmm. Country used to be a lot more diversified. And I'd like to actually do a series on that. Not like just one definitive series, but I'd like to have series of episodes on country because believe it or not, country is actually, I would say it is a favorite genre of mine. All right. It is. It is a lot more varied than one might think. Very much. Oh, yeah. And I mean, and I'm probably, probably. <laughs> we have a lot of uh, modern country people in this area. So I guess you got to tread carefully, partner. Yeah. <laughs> I'm probably going to get flamed for this one, but it's not something that I really get into either, but I will listen to, you know, whoever, you know, likes it. I know my brother got into it recently and it's something that I didn't really expect because I didn't think he would like that kind of thing, but it's fine. He's showed me some of the songs that he likes and I'm hearing them like, okay, I can actually get behind this. Like stuff within the past 10, 20 years. Yeah. I was like, okay, yeah, this is actually pretty good. You know, some of the like the modern stuff, I don't really get that same feeling as often. Maybe there's a few out there that I'll probably be totally okay with. I have a few country artists today that I actually really like, but it's a minority. And someone put it very well. He went into great detail of the different hats that, no pun intended, that country (laughs) wore. And there are actually quite a lot of hats that country has worn throughout the decades, actually. All right. Country is a very old genre. Well, it's one of the older genres. I still equate country to rock. I still think that country and rock are basically siblings or cousins because they both came from blues. Yes. So they're basically like the same mm-hmm. and they're still kind of different, but I still, I don't know. It's like, it, it's basically, they are kind of the same. I mean, people will debate that forever. Like they have similar ingredients, so to speak. They have very similar ingredients. When country and rock were more blues focused, I mean, naturally they'd sound the same or more similar. As time went on, I would say country and rock lost a lot of its blues roots. Mm-hmm. And we stopped depending on the blue standards of the past, which I guess a blue standard never changes because that's what makes it blues. Yeah. But we took on a more contemporary form with Mm -hmm. it, whatever that means. (laughs) And uh, it started to sound like country today does not sound anything like, I mean, it sounds very little. Sometimes people are more traditional with their country music, but they don't sound the exact same as they did again, 50, 60 years ago. Mm -hmm. But interestingly enough, (laughs) we're still here to talk about disco. Yeah. And that was quite a segue. (laughs) Disco definitely seemed to have lost its wings toward 79. Yes. 
So this goes weird because it was kind of formulaic from the beginning, but it seemed to have lost even more of its, it seemed to become, I don't know, it's weird that it was both formulaic, but it felt a lot more authentic and genuine in the 70s rather than any time after. Now, it did evolve with electronic music. Electronic music kind of, it was like a bastard child and like took it in. Like, I don't know what to say, like the unwanted child. Like, oh, hey, we'll take you in. It's almost like we'll make you new. And I feel like disco was breathed new life into it by like EDM and other electronic art forms. EDM, house, stuff like that. Yeah. So that was cool. But disco as a genre, apart from straight electronic music, despite the fact that they're, you know, yes, synthesizers and more electronic, not electric forms of instruments mm-hmm. infused into disco music. It's still changed, but I think that part of the genre did die. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's when it did stop evolving. And the only thing that they could think of to do was put a bunch of reverb, like pretty much all 80s music, and just oh, yeah. make it sound as like wet as they could in a way. Not like Tears for Fears kind of wet, but more like, you get what I'm saying? It sounded very synthetic. Yeah, I think I see what you're saying. And that's why I think 70s disco is superior because... First, disco was a lot like reggae. Everyone wanted to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. You got like bands like the Beatles and, and, and Rolling Stones and, and the Who. Even the Clash kind of. Everyone was trying to do like reggae. And so they got into like the more like new wave-y, disco-y. Mm-hmm. And new wave is kind of like that. New wave took a lot from disco and reggae, actually. So, you know, yeah. talking heads, bands like that. I mean, they did it in a cool way, though. I think they did it in a way where it wasn't like just straight disco, but... Disco became an element and less of a genre over time. Yes, it's become more of a stylistic choice nowadays. Right, which is why I think that disco in the 80s and later was best utilized as an element within electronic and alternative rock. Okay. Rather than its own genre, like it broke off from the 70s. I think that part of disco died as far as being interesting. Yeah. From an artistic standpoint, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, because there are, you know, some of the more modern stuff that, yeah, they're quite catchy. I mean, disco back then was really catchy to the point where it got oversaturated. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, just whatever catches the attention of the masses, that's what's going to sell. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a tricky thing. Marketing is, you know, you expect marketing music and it's cool. But at what point do we stop saying that enough is enough? And we we start saying like, like, you know, if music is going to be a business, it's almost like a vain thing to critique it mm-hmm. in a way. But I feel like you should only critique music with the understanding that, you know, someone's got to make a bag mm-hmm. and someone's trying to make a living. And so that's why I tend to give alternate explanations. I don't really think that everything has just one angle to explain it. I think there are multiple angles. I think the really successful ones... They have to study how sound, like how do people react to certain sounds? Like what kind of, what do they want them to um, feel? To feel, yeah, right. Like the the ones who really push the genres forward, it's like they have to figure that out, right? They do, and I think maybe you could say that not everyone does it as well as another person might, mm-hmm. and that some people do it worse than others, and some people do it better than others. But here's the other tricky thing: is that. A lot of the most accomplished artists and any facet of art, a lot of them didn't study formally. Mm -hmm. It's kind of the it factor is that either you have it or you don't. And for those that don't, maybe even fewer could actually acquire it, but they have to work at it. Right. 
my assumption, which I don't know if this is statistically backed up, I don't know how you could, but mm-hmm. sure, try me, is that the overwhelming majority of the artists that speak to us, music, comedy, any other art form, are those that have that it factor from the beginning. And they might not even be as technical as someone who studied in a formal setting. Okay. Yeah, some people are just naturally better at it. And I think music is a good spokesperson for art because through music, we get to see the cultures of countries, right? So music is a very revealing art of people, sociologically. Yeah. I actually watched a YouTube video on this. Somebody who was trying to analyze some of X's work, Existentacion. There's an album where the first track is just literally, like, it's just an intro, like saying, this album is a um, window into my mind. So uh, music as an art form, it's like, this is my state of mind, or this is what I think about this throughout the entire album. So he goes into it saying, these are my thoughts. And if you're not willing to accept, don't listen. I agree. Every bit of art is a glimpse into people's minds. I do believe in outer influences of different kinds. I mean, you're not your own fully because like you're still influenced by people or other factors. But essentially, yeah, what you put out is kind of your billboard. It's the word that you want to speak to people and they get to accept that or reject that. Mm -hmm. And so I'm probably not going to accept every single artist I listen to either. And I wouldn't expect everyone to accept me. And this is not to say that you're supposed to accept or reject. It's simply just a reality. I'm not necessarily backing up. Oh, I listen to this. I listen to that. It's like I hear something about somebody. It's like, okay, let me see what it is they're talking about. And, you know, as an artist, okay, this is what they were going through. This, you know, that, okay, cool. This makes sense. You know, I'm not going to incorporate or maybe advocate some of the stuff that goes on within those songs. Maybe certain sounds will catch my attention. That's another thing with me. Sounds will grab me pretty hard. Right. I'll hear the sound of a song and lyrics are just out the window for me. So that's me too, though. So if I hear a beat that catches my attention, I'll be like, ooh, what's that? And then after I hear the beat a couple of times, then I realize what the lyrics are saying. I'm like, oh, okay. Is there an instrumental for this? Right. Or something like that. Or even for some of the artists that I do usually back up, I guess I could say, I'll hear the lyrical content and I'll be like, okay, this is cool. But the beat's still kind of lacking a little, let's say. Right. You know, beats really catch my attention. And you said you're like that as well, right? Yeah. This is why I don't know the lyrics to 90% of the songs I listen to. Me neither. (laughs) I can always play them. Mm-hmm. I can never really sing them because I don't know the lyrics. Right. I know the melodies. But, you know, I'm like you. I know how to, I, I create instrumentals for people for a living. Yeah. Like, I'm just, I'm the guy, like, you know, you go to for a backing track or an instrumental or a beat. Like, that's what I do. Maybe that's why I want to get into, like, studying how people react to sounds. Yes. I mean, it's a very cool science, I'd say. Yeah. Okay. What about a sound gets you? Like, that's what I want to answer for myself, first of all before I can actually write something. Yeah, again, I do believe like if you have that thing, Mm -hmm. that gift, it'll make the journey a lot easier and a lot more effortless. Of course, you can have the gift and be totally lazy or take (laughs) no action at all. So what good is a gift if you just bury it? I think my path is going to be a lot longer, but hey, whatever. (laughs) But that's also common too. A lot of people have the gift, but they don't do anything with it. So, Mm -hmm. but some people don't have a gift at all, but their gift is just working hard. Mm Mm-hmm. I understand that I like certain sounds, but I haven't written anything. 
whatever it is that I might have come up with is pre-existing from something else that I've heard. I think it's every art form. Everything takes from something that already exists. Yeah. It's like me trying to recreate something I've heard just to see what makes it. Like I'm trying to deconstruct it before I can make anything out of it. Okay. It's like, okay, so now that I understand what these chords are, how can I make something like that my own? Can I put my own spin on it or something like that? And I think that's kind of what I was getting at is that I like when people are doing things for the sake of the art itself rather than it's just this record company telling him to make these changes because they want to get a certain demographic. That's why I have almost like a dualistic opinion on things because on one hand, I might dislike something. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, I'm like, but the hustle, I understand why they did that. But then on one hand, I love it. Mm -hmm. But on the other side, I'm like, this is not the greatest song that people would want to listen to. Mm -hmm. It just touches me in a certain way that I want to listen to this. And so back to like the disco point is that I felt it was a genre that was almost devoid of any authenticity and devoid of anything unique. And here's the thing. Like was stated earlier, disco really was a formulaic genre out the gate. I mean, it was designed with feel-good vibes since its beginning. Yeah, it really was designed. There's some part of disco, funk, R&B, jazz. I mean, there is a relation there. And jazz is a very free genre. Jazz did not start in a formulaic way. It was like classical. It was kind of breaking boundaries at the time. I know classical gets like a rap for being too structured and stuff like that. But both of those genres were revolutionary for the time. And, you know, they were rebellious. I know classical was definitely rebellious for its time. Jazz, I think, was as well. There was even a point in classical's time where, if I remember from my summer class, that there was a time period where writings were experimental just to see how technical they can get. Yeah, that makes sense. It's like trying to challenge the performers. Like, what kind of skill can you display on this piece? Or even for the writers, how technical can you write? How much skill can you display on paper? Art is very complex. So yeah, you can see people have different reasons why they're doing art. And then for some people, their art is everything. And then some people, the art is really just something as simple as someone wrote it for me. And so now I'm performing it. Mm -hmm. That's what disco turned into for me, even though I wasn't around at that time. How feel good can you make it? How feel good can you make it? Right. But again, classic disco is already pretty formulaic, but it wasn't that formulaic. And I kind of bring it back to the word improvisational. 70s disco, some of it was pretty formatted, but I think funk is the improvisational side of disco. Mm -hmm. Funk was almost like the jazz part of disco. You listen to classic disco, you hear funk and pretty much all of it. You can't take it out. I mean, maybe it's not as strong as it used to be, or maybe it's now I feel like funk is very formulaic. So my theory is a lot of these genres do start more on hinge and they don't really start so much on a leash. But I think as they progress, they tend to funnel. Mm -hmm. It seems like out the gate, it's more free and more like, oh, it can be whatever it wants to be. But then as time goes on, we get so used to the genre. And so now we put it into a smaller box and we're like, nope, this is this. And it can't be anything outside that. They start defining it. Overdefining, I think. Yeah, overdefining it. Like what makes disco disco? And then taking those qualities and exaggerating them to the point where people got sick of it. That actually is a good question. I think that's what happened. The company saw, okay, this is what disco is made of, you know, right or wrong. And they took that and really went with it. Yeah, they did. Mm -hmm. They did. They had it down to a T. 
Yeah, I think the conclusion for me is that disco was best anything after the 70s. I think disco was best utilized as a side piece or an element rather than a full-on genre. I think as a genre, it died okay. by the 80s. It was existent. Yes. And I would say it was still pretty prevalent. Mm-hmm. But we all have to admit, the 90s killed disco. The 90s, it was dead. It was definitely dead by the 90s. It doesn't oh, mean like yeah. it didn't exist. It just essentially was dead as a culture. Yes. It had its heyday. And I think disco has made a comeback in some ways, but not in the same way it was. Yeah, like you still mock some of the stylistic choices today. Yes. It's still very dated. It's a product of its time, sure. I think most of these genres do start out like a triangle. It starts in the wide part of the triangle with both corners, but I think it does devolve in a way to something more simple. And that little simple part becomes more of an element rather than a full-on culture. Oh, yeah. We can see that now. I think everything has happened that way, yeah. Yeah, some of the new pop songs, they use it as a stylistic choice rather than going back to the genre. That's actually a really good point, yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it would be really good for us to kind of compare and contrast the different elements of what makes something authentic versus just purely marketed. Yeah. Which I think it can only exist in the theory, and I don't think it can really exist as a fact, but I could be wrong. At what point does music stop being authentic? That'll be perfect. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Kevin, cool to have you, you know. As always, good to be back. And uh, I'm glad that uh, you'll be back next week. Well, you know, actually, you might be back next week. I mean, you will, but you might not be in the sense that Mitch is uh, trying to get back on the show. So we will find out where that goes because everyone's schedules are so unpredictable. Mm -hmm. Kevin, whenever that is that we have you back, you'll be here and we appreciate it. It might be Mitch. It might be a combination. It might be the cat. Who knows? It might be a dog narrating, but we'll be here. (laughs) How's that for a stylistic choice? (laughs) Yeah. Dogs, right? (laughs) All right. I'll see you guys for the next one, whenever it is. All right. Don't go barking up the wrong podcast. (laughs) All right. The dog cast. (laughs) Work tape dog cast. Tune in next week to the work tape dog cast. (laughs) (laughs) 